welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning, the 9th of June. Good morning, Porik. How Good are morning, you today? Good morning, I'm great. Absolutely fantastic. You well rested now after your weekend weekend bloom. You're a couple of weeks really in advance, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot all about the preparation and then uh, the couple of days fly by. Huge crowds, you were saying. It was absolutely brilliant. Sure, the weather behaved itself superbly. It was really uh, ice cream weather up at bloom. Fantastic, uh, long, sunny days and the gardens looked amazing. And in particular, I had been there seven or eight days beforehand looking at the gardens during construction. But how they've come on over the uh, the week of bloom and how the plants have developed over the really warm days they came into flower beautifully. And what happens now with all those gardens? Do it's they all have to, to be dismantled? Yeah, well, when you think of it, bloom runs from Thursday through to the Monday, to, to Bank Holiday Monday, and then Tuesday morning, they literally have to go in with the spades and shovels and take everything apart and uh, deconstruct. And they've got kind of five days for everything to go off site. And this, the, each of the plots have to be returned to soil, to, to, to grass, That's to part green of grass. the contract of, That's the, of deal. the event. Yeah. That is the deal. Now, some of the gardens moved, like the um, Crumlin's Children Garden would have moved back to uh, a site uh, in, at the Crumlin Children's Hospital and same with the Dementia Garden that went on to a, um, a, a, place a, a more permanent position home, such, yeah, yeah. which is great to see that a lot of the gardens are actually um, they're moved somewhere else and they're put, in, put into use somewhere else because the budgets are quite big at Bloom each of the gardens you're looking at a kind of a minimum between 40,000 and 80,000 <laughs> of a budget okay. to put a garden into bloom. Okay, so right. Those large that's, that's an interesting context now, yeah. in fairness. Um, the, the one, the, the seafood garden, that uh, the sustainable seafood garden that, by one, Andrew yes. Christopher Dunn, uh, I mean, that was certainly in excess of 80 grand that was spent on that garden alone. So you can see the, the, the amount of cost that goes in and all the time and effort that... Um, I suppose it's important that Bloom is a success for, yes. for a lot of the designers. And of course, their sponsor, that particular garden, yes. was sponsored by Bordi Iskiwara. And it got well, some you'd have to have sponsorship for some kind. I mean, you would, it's of not, course. not really yeah. feasible otherwise. Yeah. But I suppose when you put it in context like that, now I know there are extraordinary gardens and there are show gardens, but um, it does, I suppose, put it into perspective for the ordinary uh, regular gardener, whether you have a big space or a small space, that it really, the garden is really a kind of, it's a lifetime work, not necessarily something that can happen overnight and you know when you move into a new site sometimes and you say oh, I want it all done yeah. it's not always really possible no when it's not co- when you put no. the cost like that into, into it now I know our regular gardens aren't going to cost you know anything near, anything that. near yeah. that but at the same time there is an investment over time oh, of course there is mm. and, and that and one of my talks at the, at the on the expert stage was about the whole concept of planning your garden and, and uh, designing your garden and, and that was the point I was making that you really have to look at your garden particularly new gardens and plan them over a, a four to five maybe a seven year period and break them into bite sized projects so you might, within that, a, a typical garden, have 10 or 15 projects that you can do over a period mm. and obviously you can set a budget. So nobody's going to achieve a garden overnight, overnight or within a week. Although it is nice to see some results as you go. It is, of course. And, and people generally tend, tend to focus on the... I suppose the key areas like shelter and lawns and driveways and patio areas, those kind of, you know quick hits mm. that get the garden up and going but really when when tackling a garden project I mean I always say to people at the talk that the easiest thing is that the cheapest thing is to plan on paper and design your garden um, but but taking that kind of period is going to be a five year project or a seven year project or a ten year project and um, break it up into bite sized chunks and budget for it and you know each year then look to improve but have some sort of overall plan yeah. because 
mistakes cost money. They do, indeed, <laughs> yes. Uh, but sometimes we only learn by the mistakes. We do, so of course. But look at it. It's part been, and parcel. It was a great show. Um, the standard of gardens in particular were superb. I thought this year they were outstanding. Um, you know, there wasn't a bad garden in at Bloom. It, the standard of the show just gets better and be- better every year. Excellent. But it's great that the weather's been so yeah, good. So Deirdre, what, what are we doing now that Bloom is over and we're back well, to our own gardens? Yeah, and, and you know, just um, chatting to customers this week, I suppose the key thing at the moment, um, it's very much, we're in that kind of time of year. Yes, there's lots of colour that can still be planted for people that might have special occasions coming up like weddings or a particular family event there's lots of instant colour now at the moment so there's a lot it's a great time of year for planting the gardens up with colour for the rest of the summer so last week we were talking about the hanging baskets and window box, boxes and all the patio planters and they certainly can still be planted now but there's a whole array of plants like beautiful plants like Alstromerius which is a perennial plant that comes back year after year there are two lovely varieties one called Indian Summer which is a, a two-tone variety so Alstromerius only grows about a foot foot and a half in height it flowers every year but it gives stunning colour and it will flower from now right through to the end of the summer and there's another lovely pink variety called Summer Break which is a dwarf variety of Alstromeria so these are perennial plants people will see the lovely lupins for example in flower at the moment which flower and the peony roses that we talked about earlier which flower in that early summer period but plants like Alstromerias and Penstemons will flower for the rest of the summer if planted now so hydrangeas particularly those varieties that are brought on a little bit earlier in the nurseries and the garden centres they're just beginning to show a little bit of colour now so if people are thinking about colour for the end of June, July, August sort of period there are many plants that if planted now will give lots of colour um, right through to the end of the summer. So there's very much that sense of, of planting. Um, in the veg garden, plants like sweet potato, mm-hmm. this is the time of year to plant it. It cannot be planted up until, uh, certainly up until the end of May because frost can be a problem. So sweet potato, if you're interested in growing a novel plant, it's, it's a lovely thing to grow, again with your children possibly, because they can make fantastic chips in the autumn from sweet potato um, it's a fantastic vegetable but it grows as a climbing plant so it's got a sense of uh, Jack and the Beanstalk about it, so you can grow it up on bamboo cane. So yes. you plant the plants of sweet potato outdoors now. They're available in garden centres, and put them in a sunny location, or put them into a big pot with a couple of canes. And the plant, as it comes through the soil, well, the the plants themselves are are six or eight inches high now at the moment. They'll scramble up along a little bit of netting or trellis work and give you a kind of a wigwam of foliage and underneath that you get lovely tubers of sweet potato this coming September and October. Again, tomato plants can still be planted. A lovely variety called totem, which is that little dwarf one, perfect for a windowsill. And many tomatoes for listeners that have planted them earlier are beginning to fruit now. So this is the time of year to start feeding tomatoes, taking out the side shoots and feeding them on a regular basis every 10 days to 14 days with a high potash tomato feed and plenty of water. So again, I advocate if you're watering plants, water the soil, not the plants themselves. So really give the, the compost a good drenching and then leave it for a couple of days. So you don't need to be watering every day. That'll actually do the plants damage okay. if you're overwatering. Okay. So I think I mentioned last week that I actually watered my own containers on yes. the Friday before going to bloom. I say still haven't watered them since. So they've despite retained despite all the heat. Despite all the heat. Because it now has, I gave been, them a it has been a soaking. discussion in our house about watering <laughs> the plants. 
of an evening um, and they were getting watered fairly regularly during the week yeah. uh, so um, but some plants you see it and it depends of course the size of the containers yeah. now they were bedding plants and they yeah. some of them were only in so. and only so they don't I mean once a week at this time of year is enough to keep them going but remember to to wet, to wet the soil not, not the, plants the plants themselves so yeah. give them a really good soaking leave them for several days and and then rewater. Now, if you've got plants that are in pots for for several weeks or they've filled the pot at this stage, then of course you increase the watering. But just be careful that you actually don't overwater. And I had a couple of customers that rang me about that, where they put in new hedges or shrubs, and they're out every night watering. There's no need for that. A good heavy soaking, leave leave for several days, and then rewater again, because overwatering can actually damage plants as well. Um, so very much that sense of. Planting up containers, colour. The other thing I'm noticing a lot is obviously pests and so... Yeah, so we got... And I know we're after getting a, a, a photograph and some a video. Video, a video, yeah. It's very, it's very clever on the WhatsApp. Of some caterpillars. Yeah. It's, they are caterpillars. They are it? caterpillars. Yeah. And so what we're seeing at the moment are things... Like if you've got boxwood in your garden, the boxwood hedging, if you've got lupins in your garden, fruit trees in particular are showing signs of pests. Um, beach, if you've got beach as hedging, so purple beach, green beach plants like that um, you know even common things like cabbage can get aphids at this time of the year so do check your plant don't go out just spraying randomly but do put your eye on things like the lupins in particular um, caterpillars so gooseberries for example are always attacked at this time of year from the gooseberry sawfly which is a small caterpillar that starts in the very centre of the gooseberry bush plant and moves his way out so you can take for certain you're going to have caterpillars on gooseberries at this time of year roses of course are going to be affected by green fly as mm-hmm. well so when we get this warm weather with the lack of rain because the rain tends to wash the bugs off and they have to crawl back up again and and but when you get extended dry weather as we've been having yes the bugs breed very rapidly and you could look at rosebush last week and it could be clean and this week it could be infested with green fly so keep an eye out now i, I don't spray unless you see the bugs on the plants but um, and then if you're using certainly on edible crops like vegetables fruit trees make sure you use uh, a suitable insecticide, specifically fruit fruit and veg. So there's one very good one called uh, Bug Clear. It's sold in a green bottle. It's specifically for vegetables and fruit. You can spray and harvest on the same day or spray today, harvest tomorrow. So it's very safe to use. But do keep an eye out for pests in particular because they're all sap sucking and they they certainly do retard young plants. So if you've got young lupins or young plants, they're going to be set back. Boxwood in particular, if you rub your hand on the boxwood plants, you'll see the white sticky substance and that's a sure sign you've got white aphid on the plant. So, so check for that, I suppose, is really what I'm saying. For listeners that have carrots sown, this is the time of year to take control of the carrot root fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming to the time of year for thinning carrots. So as we thin them, we excrete the scent of the carrot and you do need to prevent, from again, from carrot root fly. So again, you can either use the nematodes that I, I've mentioned a couple of times now because they're very safe, they're yep. organic, they're, they're safe for pets and kids and so on um, and very effective uh, treatment or you can also there's another uh, specific treatment um, it's again sold as carrot and cabbage root fly treatment which again is a liquid you mix it in water and you apply it onto the carrots or cabbage at this time of year to control carrot root fly and both of those are organic and very safe to use but this is the time of year to take a bit of preventative control with carrot root fly so keep an eye on that the other thing I'm noticing is a little bit of mildew 
on plants. So that's that white deposit, a bit like flower yeah. on the leaves on maple trees. Um, Any and, reason in particular, just well, conditions in general? When we get this dry weather, really dry weather, and if plants are suffering from any, if they're kind of a little bit dry in pots or containers, they're a little bit under stress, they tend to be more susceptible to mildew. Okay. But there are some plants that are just like phlox, for example, the herbaceous uh, cottage garden phlox mm-hmm. is a devil for the mildew. mildew. Mildew just absolutely loves that plant. So my advice really is keep an eye. If you see this, the first signs of mildew coming on plants, put on a, a fungicide just to protect them. So we're into that season, Deirdre, very much of kind of a bit of disease control, a bit of pest control. Plants are certainly growing very vigorously. Liquid feeding is important at this time of year and the planting up of colour. So if you want colour for the summer period, now is the time to plant. Right. The other interesting thing to do at this time of year is to actually sow the seeds of plants that will flower in autumn, winter and spring of next year. So if you think about plants, say our friendly lupin is in flower at the moment. They look great this year, I think. They're they're fabulous. Mm. But what is the plant trying to do? It's trying to reproduce. So it's setting its seed at this time of year or in the next two weeks. And that seed will ripen, it'll drop to the soil, it'll germinate and it'll produce new plants. So listeners can actually start to sow seeds of plants like lupins, wallflowers, Sweet William, Forget-Me-Nots, Double Daisies. They're the, the plant that I featured on, uh, were featured heavily at Bloom this year, the Double Daisies. Primulas, Winter Flowering Pansies, Violas. There's a whole range of plants. Plants like Foxgloves, they're in flower at the moment. So when you see a plant in flower, that's the time in your own mind to be thinking, well, I need to sow some seed for this plant for next year. Because they're about to shed their seeds. They're, going to be, they're actually doing it in nature. So you're... And also you're using the, the temperatures that we're having at the moment. So if we're sowing seed in January and February, February mm-hmm. we're nursing them on on a windowsill under a radiator. This time of year, you've got that natural nature. You provides. don't have to put in as much effort. Yeah, so there's a huge amount of seed that you can actually sow directly into the garden soil, into a ridge or into a, a seed tray, leave outside covered with a little bit of cling film, and they'll germinate in 10 days at this time of year. So my advice really is to use this time. We tend to forget that midsummer is actually the time of year to sow a lot of plants from seed, particularly those that flower in autumn, winter and spring of next year. So the wallflowers would be a great example of that. Lupins, delphiniums, aquilegia, obricia, poppies, they can all be sown from seed now. Um, and you're thinking very much kind of autumn, uh, winter colour of next year but you're using the natural temperatures at the moment and particularly in the veg garden as well this is the time of year to sow autumn and winter veg so things like curly leafed cabbage curly kale should we plant at this time of year your favourite the purple broccoli oh yes it's purple sprouting broccoli so you sow the seeds of those now in June because the, the, the soil temperatures are so warm they'll germinate very rapidly and I mean it's so simple you literally put the seed in the ground and they're going to grow but there's also vegetables like Chinese cabbage that could be sown at this time of year that you'll actually cut at this time of year and um, pea there's a lovely variety in the pea family called Rhonda or the sugar peas you know where you eat the, the pods the sugar snaps yes. the sugar snaps because mm. you're eating literally the immature pods so sow the seeds now they'll germinate they'll grow and by August, September you're actually yeah. harvesting the, the seeds so use the heat that we have at the moment to get plants to germinate so there's quite a lot of summer vegetables that can still be sown carrots for example can still be sown at this time of year all the salad crops things like radishes salad leaves lettuce all those varieties can still be sown from seed white lisbon onions so use the the temperatures at the moment moment. to get plants to germinate and finally the last thing i would be focusing on is putting in lawns so for for people that have new gardens Mm -hmm. 
um, new houses, they're thinking, well, when, when should I plant sow my lawn? Get the soil conditions ready at the moment. So if there's any weeds or vegetation or grass or rubbish there at the moment, spray that off now. Perfect weather for spraying. Till the soil over the next week or 10 days and get the soil ready for sowing. And the, the temperatures that we're having at the moment, particularly if we get a little bit of rainfall at the end of June, early July, you've got the perfect conditions for sowing grass Good seed. Food and wild meadow seed because it'll germinate within seven days at this time of year. So this is the time as we come into early summer to think about getting the soil conditions right for sowing new lawns in particular or wildflower meadows. Um, don't leave it till autumn because last last autumn, for example, it rained. rained. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then it and it's very difficult to get the soil. Yeah. So if you're doing any sort of... Um, we have to be kind of cultivating the soil and raking the soil, then this is the type of weather that you want because you want it dry, you want it easy to rake and then sow the seed when rain is promised and you'll have a lawn up in, in seven in to no ten days. Yeah. So they're the, the typical things that, that um, people are doing at the moment, planting strawberries, all of that sort of. So it's very much the sense of planting colour, planting vegetables and then sowing seeds at this time of year and then just keeping an eye on the pests and diseases just that they're not yeah. your early prevention. There was uh, strawberries being planted in uh, my mother's garden recently and I was tasked with putting straw down around yep. the strawberries so that they wouldn't be hitting the gar- the, gar- the ground. A brilliant idea. Yeah. So and stra- I said, oh, what's that for you? And, well, not only is it, is it going to keep the fruit clean, the slugs dislike going across the straw. So oh, they're they're going to, they're going to be kept off, and also you're mulching the soil, so it's keeping the moisture in. When I was in bloom in the Victorian garden, yeah. the guys there, the gardeners, the OPW do a superb job there. But they had the strawberries planted through the mypex, the black mypex material. Right. So they had created ridges, and then put the mypex over the soil, and then cut the X and put the strawberry in. in. And the great thing was that the mypex, because it's a black material, it lets water and fertilizer through first and foremost. Secondly, because it's black, it attracts the sun. So the soil is really warm and the strawberries then are clean. When And the, the, the third thing is that the strawberry runners won't root. So you don't get this mess. Yes. And the same will happen with, with the straw. straw. Yeah, so it's a great idea, great tip. Yeah. You're learning every day. I'm learning every day from all <laughs> sides, from all sides. <laughs> now, Porek, uh, lots of, I know this is radio, so we're going to have to do our best to describe uh, some of the images that we're getting in for people. Um, I want to address John's rockery, first of all, because uh, it had. this is the third week for it to come in. It was coming in kind of later in the programme and um, I just wasn't able to show it to you. Um, but now we've had a look at the rockery. Doesn't it look fantastic? It looks brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely and we were just fantastic. talking about the lupins there and... Yeah. Um, they are in colour now. They're, they're a lovely blue. orange variety, yeah. aren't they? So, so in John's Rockery, he's actually used dwarf lupins, so they're lovely, neat and compact. The thing with lupins is they're in full flower at the moment. So as the flowers just begin to fade slightly, make sure you trim off the flower heads because that'll get them to, to reproduce new buds and flower later into the season. So deadhead them on a regular basis. But they're beautiful in John's garden. They're quite short, very compact. Uh, it's probably a variety like Lulu or... Um, there's a, there's yeah, they're another, kind of orangey in colour. Lovely, beautiful, ones, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's quite short as well, variety. He's also got the arum lilies coming into flower, the lovely white arum lilies. And there's a great plant. It looks like the Erigeron sea breeze, which is a great seaside plant. Low growing, daisy-like flower, great in, in, in rockeries and borders. So lovely. Very colourful. And all perennial plants that are going to come back year after year. Excellent. Well done to you, John.
Right. Um, now, we were, you talked about pests there yeah. uh, when we opened up the programme, first of all, and we, we have gotten um, a series of images and a video of some caterpillars uh, coming out of their... Yeah, and the white butterfly is certainly flying and around at the actually, moment and laying yeah, the like, eggs. Yeah, and they're uh, on full, full rev, for want yeah. of a better word. So this is the time phrase. of year for caterpillars. Mm. I mentioned gooseberries in particular, fruit trees in, in particular, and obviously any of the... Um, edibles like cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, they're all going to be uh, attracting the white butterfly at the moment. So the treatment to use is is a cat- you can get a specific caterpillar spray or you could use the bug clear, particularly the one for fruit and vegetables because it's very safe to use. Most caterpillars, the eggs are, are sown on the underside of the leaf. So you generally have to turn them over before you see the eggs there. Um, or the young caterpillars appearing and um, one application is generally sufficient so if you do that apply it now in dry weather you get rid of any of the bugs the other tip for if for particularly for listeners that grow organically is to sow, sow some nasturtium plants and you can sow those simply from seed somewhere in in um, an opposite part of the garden where you're going to attract the butter white butterfly over to the nasturtium plants mm-hmm. and they lay the eggs on the nasturtiums and feed on them rather than on your your uh, edibles. edibles. So it's always good to sow a few nasturtium plants. They're very pretty. The flowers are edible. The leaves are edible as well. Caterpillars just love them. And they but grow it, very easily. And they grow very easily. <laughs> exactly. And particularly the more vigorous varieties are ideal yeah. in for use in or where you're growing uh, vegetables organically. So you're attracting the pests somewhere else. Uh, but certainly this is the time to, to treat and something like the bulk clear will control both the caterpillars and aphids in general. So it does kind of a broad spectrum, but it's very safe to use. Excellent. Now, we also have been given a, a picture of the geranium orange fizz. Yes. Uh, so somebody has bought it. It's their third one. Okay. And it's not uh, performing very well. Okay. And it does look a little, dro- little droopy drawers. Yeah. yeah. Well, look at the thing with geraniums. And first of all, it's still in its original pot. Now, I would advise when you get your the geranium orange fizz, orange fizz, first of all, to explain to the to the many listeners has pink leaves just to confuse things it's got it's a fabulous plant it's edible totally edible um, but it's mainly used to keep the flies and the bugs away so it's brilliant on a bright windowsill you were describing it a couple of weeks back where you you, you, you walked into a family or friend's house mm-hmm. and you got the scent of the beautiful yep. citronella from the leaves. So it's that scent that the, dis, that dissuades the flies and bugs away from the uh, kitchen windowsills and so on. So it's a great plant to have in the garden, but like any geranium, it needs to be repot into a larger pot. This particular plant, there's quite a bit of dead leaves on it, so they need to be taken off. Um, it's flowering as well, which is great. This is the time to liquid feed them, but be careful on the watering with the geraniums so it's a bit like I was saying with the containers you need to let them dry out between watering so a bright sunny windowsill watering no more than once a week is enough to keep them uh, to keep them moist so let them dry out between watering that's critical for geraniums you're better on the side of underwatering than over watering with them and this in, in this instant it looks like the plant the compost is quite moist it's too wet and you're going to get that browning of the leaves and the plant looking a little bit sad. But just ease back in the watering, repot it, um, give it a liquid feed and it'll be back up in great condition again. It's a very, very easy plant to grow. Okay. Went down a storm at Bloom. I actually, um, I got the, during my talks, I got people to smell the leaves. Yeah. And it is it a great, a fantastic it is, I suppose it is a very tactile type of a plant because of the, inc- I mean, it, when it's not in flower, it, you know, it mightn't be it's the insignificant, most aesthetic yeah, looking. Yeah, in fact, not. one would wonder sometimes, I'd say, if you saw <laughs> it in amongst other things and it was out in the garden, you might say, is it a weed? Yeah. Um, but no, it's the, really the smell that brings it alive. It does indeed, yeah. And it will grow outside. I've, I've actually planted in um, a large tree 
trough with lettuce leaves at the moment and it's in flower in the gar- in the in the mm. trough um, again it's getting watering mo- no more than once a week once every 10 days probably and it's absolutely flying Flowers. it's flowering away and Really enjoying the outside conditions. Okay. We've a couple of other identifications. Um, we've got a Mary has sent us in a picture, a lovely picture of a pink flower. Porek, you've had a look at this. Yeah, this is this is a plant called Celine. So this is a, an old cottage garden plant. It's been flowering. You'd often see it along roadways. Lovely, delicate head on it. Yeah, and really nice pink flowers. It grows in height about 18 inches, forms a nice clump, flowers early in the season. And ragged robin is actually the common name for it. Um, but a very simple plant to grow. It tends to be short-lived in flower. They're nearly gone out of flower at this stage. So if you've got it in the garden, my advice is to trim it back, stop it from producing seed. It'll reflower again for you in, a, in two or three weeks' time. And a really, really simple plant to grow. You can sow it from seed or you can get in little plants. So listeners would have seen it in flower in gardens in April, May, early June, that sort of period. So it gives a lovely bit of early colour, early summer colour or late spring or early summer colours. So it's a plant called Celine or Ragged Robin, um, simple to grow. And, and again, this is the time of year for sowing seed of it if you want it in your own garden. And for listeners that have it in their garden, my advice is to trim off all the old flowers, give it a liquid feed and come back into flower a second time. So stop it from producing seed is the trick with it to get it to reflower again. Now, uh, Tina has sent us a photograph of a tree uh, in full leaf and there's leaves all down along the main part of the bark as well. Yeah. Now, I'd advise actually cleaning that stem up Mm. so that you get a nice central clean stem. So maybe pruning the the lower branches off the tree to give you a nice clean stem for about four or five feet because looking at it it's a, a plant called Acer Princeton which has beautiful yellow foliage really bright so it's one of the maples one of the maple family bright uh, coloured leaves um, very decorative but tends to look better if you've got a central stem and a, and a kind of roundish head typical maple style so prune off those lower branches that can be done at this time of year and uh, even the tops of the tree I know it's relatively tall if the listener could actually trim those as well just shorten them back slightly you'll end up with a fatter fuller rounded head uh, with a lot more colour but a lovely tree and lovely colour lovely bright yellow foliage on the plant and uh, finally on the photographs front uh, should I prune the new growth at the base of my plum tree and yeah. they've given us a picture of the plum tree so again with this tree you can actually see plums like many many fruiting plants are grafted so you've got actually the true plum which is probably Victoria or Opal mm. grafted onto a rootstock and you can see the rootstock kicking into growth the leaves are a different colour they're lighter green so you need to prune that off so any of the shoots at, at soil level or close to soil, soil level again prune them off they could be, can be done at this time of year this is the time to actually prune plum trees in general or cherry trees Um, so take that off any of that suckering which is atypical of plum trees they do this anyway it's the plant itself is absolutely 100% healthy uh, but prune those off tidy them up you can if the wounds are fairly large you can get a small bit of prune and seal which seals up the wound once you cut the the stem off the Mm. tray so any of the suckering Take that off completely. Okay, it looks like it's 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 in competition, definitely. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it will take over the the rootstock will take over and compete with the with the uh, variety that we want to keep. Now, my gooseberry bush that was laden down with fruit last year has none this year. Why? <laughs> also, one of my blackberry bushes has rust colour, blister-like leaves on it. Is this a disease of some kind, and is there a cure for it? Yeah, so it's not a disease. So the blistering on on blackcurrants is a is a uh, reaction to actually green fly attack. So if the listener actually turns, so what they're looking at is the green leaf of the black 
current mm-hmm. with, with bl- blister-like kind of uh, pinkish colour blisters on the top of the leaf. If the listener turns the leaf over, you'll actually see the aphids and green fly in under. So they're they're attacking the leaf, they're sucking the protein out of the leaf and like 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 when you when a, a midget bites you, you blister up, the plant does exactly the same thing. So a little bit of spray of the bug clear on the underside of the blackcurrant leaf will eliminate the aphid and, and arrest the problem. Um, it's only a temporary thing anyway. With the gooseberries, that often happens with, with plums, with apple trees, where they bear a lot of fruit in one year and the second year they actually rest. So, so it's every stop, second year. It's, so. Well, the gooseberry should fruit every year, but in a year where you have tons of fruit coming on the plant, where it's laden down with fruit, it puts all its energy into producing that fruit that, ye- that year mm. and skips a year and puts the, the, the energy into producing new growth. The way to stop that happening is in the year that it fruits heavily is to thin the fruit, right. to take half the fruit, fruit off the tree. Yes, so the same take applies the off. with apples. If you find that the apple trees are bearing lots of fruit, we get a natural abortion of, of uh, little fruitlets at the end of June the from June, apple trees, the June, the June drop. drop, yeah. So after that, if your apple trees or your, your fruiting trees in general have a lot of fruit on, it's a good idea to thin them to stop that happening. So this is where trees or the plants... There's, it's self-preservation to a certain degree. They're exhausted in one year. They give it a year. It's, it's nature it's in action. It's nature in things. So there's nothing wrong with the plant. It will come back into fruiting next season again. Now, um, can you ask Porik, uh, can I prune Catoniaster and holly trees now, asks Mary. Well, they're in flower at the moment. So the thing is, if you cut them, if you cut them back now, Mary, you're not going to get the berries for the autumn and winter. I mean, to answer your question, I suppose you can. It's not going to damage the trees by pruning them at this time of year or trimming them back at this time of year. But you are removing the flowers from the plant. And the flowers, obviously, where the flowers are, that's what bears the fruit. So if you can leave the pruning until autumn, that's a better time to trim them back. Um, Or early spring when the berries are kind of beginning to go, the birds have picked the berries. Uh, But if you have to prune them, then there's no problem pruning them this time of year. Just remember, you're going to lose some of the, the berry colour. So if you if Mary cuts them now, gives them a feed, they'll kick him back into putting lots of new growth on. Mm-hmm. That growth won't flower this year, so you'll have no berries on that, but you'll have lots you'll of have good, bushy. good, good, full plants, certainly. Yeah. So if it needs pruning, then yes, by all means, trim it. But if you can leave it over to late, you know, winter, early spring of next year, that would be a better time from a fruiting point of view, burying point of view. Now, I bought... I think three lily bulbs in bloom. Should I plant them now or store them till the autumn? These were the tree lilies, weren't oh, they? Oh, tree lily, sorry. Tree lily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's a tree lily now? So, There's so my bo- ignorance coming into play. So apologies. Rather than tree lilies, they bought tree... Tree lily. <laughs> Talk to me about tree lily so far. Julian Vance. So, um, look, at these are... Tree lilies are, are hybrid lilies that are... They're, so in, for example, the floristry, floristry uh, or in your local florist, you'll get long-stemmed lilies. Yes. They're bred with our regular oriental lilies to produce what they call tree lilies. And these plants grow up to eight feet in height. No so less. you can imagine this eight-foot lily with huge flowers. So you're looking up into the flower of the plant. So the bulbs are quite large when you buy them. You normally They're normally planted in the autumn. But a lot of the uh, bulb growers will actually put bulbs into the fridge and sell them at this time of year. So they normally should be sold in September, October, November. But because they're refrigerated, they're held in suspension, the bulb still thinks it's winter time. And if you plant them at this time of year, you will get some flower this summer, but you're really playing 
for next year. So in this instance, these are tree lilies. Typically, they grow to eight feet. But if you plant that bulb now, it'll probably grow two feet this year and flower. Two it, feet? Well, yeah, that's okay. all, right? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, two feet. It'll certainly grow two feet this year and flower. It'll die back at the end of the summer. So they are herbaceous. They're not a tree. Uh, they're herbaceous. They die back. And then next spring, It'll come into growth in March and early April. It'll produce six to seven, maybe eight feet of growth in the one year. And you'll have the fantastic flowers on it. And you can leave it in the ground. They're actually quite hardy. And every year over the winter, the bulb builds itself up. So the following year, it gets maybe six or eight inches taller again. So these are really tall lilies. You want to plant them at the back of a border. Some of the plenty of space for them to grow. Um, I also advise putting a couple of stakes on them. Uh, not so much this year, but particularly next year. Mm. A couple of bamboo canes just to keep them well supported because the flowers are quite large and quite heavy. But they're an absolutely lovely plant. And they're great. They flower exactly the same as ordinary lilies, except the flowers are probably twice the size. Okay. But also, you're, you're not rubbing against the pollen. You know how the pollen, on, when it gets on clothing, yeah, can be it free. Yeah, can, it can really stay. Stain. Yeah. So you're actually looking up into the flowers. They're well worth growing. For most listeners, I would I would recommend getting the bulbs in the autumn. That's the kind of normal time that you plant them. But you often see them at shows where they're refrigerated and then they're put on sale. So, for example, at Bloom this year, they had lots of... Um, they had lo- lo- lovely um, allium bulbs. Mm. Even though they were flowering in the gardens at Bloom, they were actually selling the bulbs at the show right. because they were simply... But anything that you bought like that at Bloom, planted in the garden now, um, with those tree lilies, you will get colour this oh, year. Oh, yeah, they look spectacular. Yeah, just they're really nice. Look there. Uh, I have a hydrangea, but the flowers only come out on half the head. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so obviously something uh, is preventing them from coming out on the whole head. Would, uh, if it was very close to the leaves or the branches, would that restrict? Um, well, hydrangeas are like if if you've hydrangeas planted from last year, they really should be only at the stage where they're producing the the flower buds should be only green at this stage. It would be very early to have them in flower yet. Now, when you go into your local garden centre, certainly you'll have hydrangeas at the point of flowering because they've been bought, brought on early in the greenhouse and the tunnels. Mm. Um, so really it depends what... Maybe if the listener actually sends us in a picture, that might be the best thing. Send in by WhatsApp yeah. into uh, 87 and uh, we'll have a closer look at it. So I wouldn't worry just yet. I mean, it's very early for hydrangeas. Typically hydrangeas... Maybe it's something that happens every year, though. It, it could... Oh, maybe it send does, Send us yeah. a picture. Send us a picture and, yeah. and we'll be able to look at it. It could be with the pruning as well when, you, you know, hydrangeas need to be pruned in a certain way. Um, if you prune wrongly, they won't flower and so on. So Okay. There we go. <laughs> I don't um, think that answers the question for the listener. That's but, okay. we'll, 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 but if they bring, send the picture yeah, in, it's so probably we'll, the easiest way for me to identify it. We'll address it on it. the programme next yeah. week. Moss growing on some of my trees and plants. I'm afraid it's going to kill them. How do I get rid of it? Well, it's not going to kill them. It's, it's, it's only growing on the surface of the bark. So if you want to get rid of it, you can use a little bit of the zero that we use in the lawn. Just mix it up in a spray machine, <laughs> spray it onto the bark. It'll kill the moss overnight and be perfectly fine. But don't worry about the, the moss. It's not. It might may be unsightly, but it's not going to damage the, the trees. The trees. No, okay. It's not parasitic. Excellent. So it's fine. Okay. I sowed carrots and parsnips. A lot of the seed didn't grow. Would I be able to set new carrots and parsnip seeds or is it too late? If not, able to set carrot or parsnip seeds, what other seeds can I set? 
Well, it's it's a perfect time actually for sowing. You can still sow carrots. The the this sort of temperature, carrots can be fussy on, in terms of temperature and and particularly the colder spell in early May. I was saying to leave the carrots, you know, certainly till late May, early June. So the weather conditions are ideal at the moment. Some really good varieties. There's one called Mastro, which is a, a carrot fly resistant variety. Okay. So sow that now. Mastro, it's a really good one. Um, so there's plenty of time. I and mean, if you think about it, you're going to be harvesting the carrots in August, September, October, right up until early winter. So there's plenty of time to sow both carrot and parsnip. Resistifly is an, another good one for um, for carrot root fly. Uh, again, resistant. And a lovely one called Samurai, which is a red carrot. So it's red on the outside and it's pink inside. And it's got a fantastic flavour. So Samurai or Mastro or Resistifly, all of those can be sown from seed now. There are also short-stemmed carrots like Rondo, which um, only, it makes kind of nearly a, a ball-shaped carrot. So again, it's perfect in containers. So plenty of time for sowing the seeds of both carrots, parsnips and vegetables in general. So loads of time to sow. Uh, we've got somebody listening in the UK, listening every week, uh, wondering where do you get the seeds for viola? Well, you'll get them in your local garden centre. If you go and look for the Thompson Morgan seed collection, they do probably 10 or 15 different varieties of viola. And this is a perfect time. So violas are like small pansies. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely brilliant for autumn, winter, spring colour. Um, they're edible. So they're lovely and drop them into drinks or use them in salads as well to decorate but a lovely plant um, and very colourful so the seed is available at the moment in under the Thompson and Morgan range sow it uh, in trays you'll get fantastic plants that will flower from September right through the winter Now I'd really appreciate if you could recommend a large house plant suitable for a hallway in a house with limited natural light I've tried various types with no success the latest being a ficus but they all eventually lose their leaves and generally don't look healthy Yeah and the ficus so the ficus and the, and ficus can be difficult as well in terms of you have to be careful about the washing of ficuses they don't like any drafts a really good plant that's very easy to grow so in this particular house it's actually quite dark it's shaded so one of the best plants is one of the the fatsias the castor oil plant so it's got large green leaves you get it in a variegated form as well called spider's web and um, it's a brilliant indoor house plant it'll grow four to five feet in height retain its foliage all year round it loves the shade um, and as long as you're careful with the watering you know, that you're not overwatering it, it lasts for years and years. Oh. Rubber trees do quite well as well. The rubber tree um, is relatively easy to grow. Aspidistria, which is, it, we call it the cast iron plant because it's so hard to kill. Okay. <laughs> the cast iron plant. That, that sounds Again, promising. A lot of those plants actually are, are killed by overcare. So the cast iron plant, for example, it's one of those plants that you water possibly once every three weeks indoors. So it needs very, very little water. But the way people kill it is by overwatering it or repotting it too early. So the castor oil plant, um, the um, cast iron plant or the rubber trees are generally relatively, you know, they would be on the very easy class. Ferns do well. Now, they would be shorter in height, but they do quite well in shaded areas as well, any of the indoor ferns. Indoor ferns. Yeah, yeah. So any of those, this now, is a good time of year to get them. I lifted tulips two weeks ago to reuse the pots. What should I do with the bulbs now? I'd like to have them for pots on a grave again next year. Tulips? Yes. Well, remember with tulips, they're, they're not as robust as daffodils and snowdrops. You, they tend to be short-lived bulbs. So if you get two to three years from your 
tulips, that's you're doing pretty well. So the way to they're, they're, they've died back at this time of year, you can literally take the bulbs now out of the compost and just store them dry in a brown paper bag. So in Holland, for example, they're harvesting all the bulbs at this time of year, putting them into uh, storage areas for sale in, in August and September. So you can mimic that yourself in your own garden. You can literally just lift the bulbs, clean them off, take the soil off them, put them into a brown paper bag and then replant them next September in pots, containers or in on the grave or whatever. But do remember that with the bulbs, you, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. So they tend to... They, they might need some downhill. companions. Yeah, I would, exactly. Plant some new plants. Um, so there's some lovely varieties of tulips, say like Red Riding Hood, that you could plant next September. And they're ideal on graves because they're short, uh, very very mm-hmm. compact, but very colourful as well. Do you have to lift the bulbs? You don't have to, no. You can leave them. You know the way you leave daffodils? Yeah, you can leave the bulbs there, but you will find with daffodils, this, or with tulips, I should say, okay. they do disimprove, whereas daffodils actually improve. Okay. <laughs> Go the opposite the way. Opposite. They get stronger, yeah. bigger, more robust. So, And they are te- they tend to be short-lived. And it's probably, as you say, it's a good idea to possibly sow fresh bulbs every year, to be sure. Um, what's the best feed for climbing roses? Well, just your ordinary, regular rose feed. So um, you can either use the Osmo Pro 6 or you can use a good quality rose fertiliser so it's the same as you use on bush roses and climbing roses exactly the same you feed roses at this time of year every three weeks and again with climbing roses just put on the little bit of rose rescue as well to keep them clean of pests and diseases and staying with roses have you names of scented roses and also do you have mum in a million in stock well mum in a million is a, is a beautiful variety I'm not sure is it actually in stock in Turlock at the moment but if it isn't we'll get it in for the customer anyway it's it's a lovely variety and highly scented um, other good scented roses Whiskey Mac is a lovely one Arthur Bell which is a bright yellow it's good fantastic um, scent um, River Dance which is lovely um, pink it's kind of a dwarf double pink variety with a lovely scent as well um, Eternity is another really good scented variety look my advice is pop into your local garden centre and uh, this is the time of year for planting roses I should have mentioned that at the start of the programme it's a really good time to plant yeah. them most of them are coming into flowers so you can actually smell the roses yourself the David Austin range of roses are highly scented so that's a whole collection of fragrant roses that, that are both um, uh, kind of Floribunda and hybrid tea and shrub varieties as well so look for those as well in your local garden centre but this is the time of year for planting roses Okay we might talk a bit more about roses Yeah I'll do it next week we'll we'll feature some Um, some of the key ones I know time is ticking against us Um, What can I keep how can I keep the white butterfly away from my cabbages? Well you can net you can put simple fine netting around the plants again that was very much in vogue in the Victorian garden in Phoenix Park last week that all the lots of the vegetables covered over with very fine netting which is a great way to keep them off so if a physical net is probably the best way or else use one of the safe treatments like the um, bug clear for fruit and veg that I mentioned at the top of the programme. Um, are Hesperus rockets hard to grow from seed? Great plant. Do you know the Hesperus? Sweet rockets. Sweet rockets, yes. Yeah, so you'll see it again. They're in full flower at the moment on the hedgerows. Um, so very, very simple to grow. You can actually grow it from cuttings. So you could go out onto the plants now and take some cuttings from them. You could wait a month and let the plants produce seed and collect the seed and sow it uh, again like I was saying about the lupins and so on sow the seed any time over the next couple of weeks you can buy the seed in your local garden centre so it's called Sweet Rocket because it's, there's a fantastic scent from the plant and it is so easy to grow chuck it on the ground germinates it grows 
really simple plant. Are scallions that are gone wild now safe to eat? They are, of course. You can actually eat the flowers of scallions, believe it or not, same as chives, or you can eat the... Um, the, uh, the actual stems and bulbs as well. You'll tend to find that when they go to seed, they're a little bit coarser. The leaf has got a bit stronger and, and um, it's matured a little bit, but they're perfectly edible. Okay. Perfectly fine. And we're going to finish up on this one, Porik. Um, you mentioned about sowing sweet potato earlier. Um, somebody wondering, can we sow them in grow bags and are there any bugs that um, are prevalent? No, they're not affected by any pests, but the um, the grow bags wouldn't really be... Well, yes, they would. Grow bags could be used if you cut the bag in half and, and put it up as a container. So I suppose what sweet potatoes need is a deep root. So they need a pot that's about a foot or 15 inches deep. So I would prefer to put them into large uh, plastic pots or containers, ideally. But you can use a grow bag, not on its flat, but literally cut it in the middle, put it up on its edge and, and create two pots from the one grow bag, if that makes sense. Or else plant them out in the garden soil in a sunny location. Okay, lovely. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, now, just to mention, I will be in the garden centre today in Turlock from uh, half twelve through till five. So, if people want to drop down, bring any pictures or problems or any issues, bring them in to me, and I'll of a plant variety. Of a plant variety. So, I'm in Turlock half twelve to five today. Okay, and we'll talk again next Saturday on the program. I know there was lots of program questions we didn't get to, um, but we are here again next week. So, hopefully, we'll be able to address them for you then. That's it from me. News on the way, and then Michael Neary of Country classics until next Saturday. A very good morning to you.